Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We're going to preach our last message here at the Feet of Jesus series. Um, I, I don't know how we move on from a prophetic word like Eleanor just uh, prophesied. I'd like to just just maybe pray into that a little bit. It's really going to be um, tied a lot into just my message, so I just want to honor both of you. Thank you for being a part of our church and sharing your gift and being faithful to the Lord. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal when people use their gifts and steward their gifts. And Eleanor and Robert have both really stewarded their gift prophetically, and it is a gift to the body of Christ. Amen. And uh, this is one of the things is that uh, when people are half-hearted about their gifts and don't steward them well, then we get a bad example. We see the power in the gift, but then not stewarded well, it is kind of sloppy and sometimes disruptive, and you guys are never like that. That's one of the things I love about both of you is that you're so, so serious about how you steward your gift, and you do it with total submission and honor to not only authority here in the space, but really before the Lord. So I just want to bless you. Thank you for sharing your gift with us and being faithful. Father, we love you today. We just reached to heaven today, God. We love you even in our imperfections, God, we know we don't bring a perfect person as an offering to you. But God, that's what you love and that's what you want. And so we take ourselves just as we are before you and we honor you and we thank you that you would share your love and your power, your glory with us. That you would love on us so tremendously. And Holy Spirit, we do say yes and amen to what you want to do in our church. Yeah, that means our lives. So, Lord, I open up my heart in submission to you. Holy Spirit, come as you will, as you, as you desire in your sovereignty to move in power in my life and in our church's life. Can you do that? Just open up your heart to the Holy Spirit. Can you do that just specifically? Say, Holy Spirit, I open my heart up to you. I want what you want for me and for this church and this city, this state and this nation. I'm a vessel to be filled with your love and your will and your sovereignty to move through me today. I want to be, God, at your feet. I want to experience your power at your feet, God. I love you today. Today, my heart there's no idolatry going on in my heart today. Jesus, you are in the highest place. I lift you high. I lift you up. I'm ready to receive your word. Come on, you pray that. I'm ready to receive your word today. It's not going to fall on hard ground. It's going to fall on good soil today. And I'm going to see you clear today, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Move in power today. Amen. Hey, Christianity, uh, your life it's weird to even say Christianity to me. I just feel like it, when I met Jesus, it was a power encounter. He just swooped into my life, and I met him for real in a genuine relationship. And so that's the only way that I know how to see him. It never was about church. Church was a place where I met with God's family to grow in my understanding of who he was and to fellowship and deepen my relationships in my life. But it's always been about Jesus for me. And it should be for each one of us. And he says to the church of Laodicea in Revelation, he says, I got this one thing against you is that you need to return back to your first love. You just need to go back to this place where you're at my feet and everything is clear. There's only one thing that you see and it's me. And, and, and God wants us to have this love relationship with him 
and he, and, and he put his power on display to show off his great love for us. So I want to take us, as we close this series at the feet of Jesus, I want to take us to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is with his disciples, and they are praying and interceding through the night, even though Jesus is really the only one doing that. And they're like praying until they fall asleep over and over again, right? And Jesus is like, come on, guys. Come on, man. Something big's about to happen. I need you. But Jesus didn't need anybody to do what he was going to do. He really didn't. He fully relied on God, the Father, and his relationship with him to do what he had come to the earth to do. But we see this in John chapter 18, verse 1. After Jesus is done praying, we see the, 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 the villains of the story, really, coming to take Jesus. And after saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered the grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. Uh, oh, wait, he asked, Jesus said, I, I am he. Jesus, okay, right, I'm, I'm on track here. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. This is awesome. He says, I am he, and they all fall to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus of Nazareth, I think, right? I told you that I am he, Jesus said, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those that you have given me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So the soldiers and their commanding officers and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. I just want to go back to this verse uh, in, in, in 18 verse 7 here where he says, once more he asks them, who are you looking for? And you know, I can imagine these guards uh, and, and these Roman soldiers, and then Judas, and everybody's all jacked up that night. They're like, we're going to get him. We're going to shut this thing down. They got their adrenaline pumping, and they're ready to go do this thing. And they go walk up, and I think in their mind, they believe Jesus was just a man. And they, they walk into that garden, and they come strolling up, and they've got all their power and might and their swords and torches. And in that time, and it's always this way in military times, is this, Anytime, all you need is numbers. Even a gang with a bad intention, all they need is numbers. You got a lot of numbers, you can do something, and it boosts your confidence to be ridiculous and do stupid stuff because you think you're more powerful than you really are. And one of the things that happened, which is so awesome, this is one of my favorite moments in the entire Bible of all time. 
is they come in and they think they've got all that. And they're like, oh my gosh, he's a bunch of wimpy, nerdy fishermen with their rabbi. We're going in and we're going to bring him down. We're going to humble this guy. And they got the orders from the top and they come in and they're all bowed up and they come into this space and they go, hey, where's Jesus? And Jesus steps in, you know, it's like torchlight. So they can't see him, right? And he's in the dark. He's just a bunch of shadows. And then Jesus steps into the light and he says, I am he. And in that moment, they see his face and they experience the power of his glory. And it was so powerful, his words when he said, I am he. Just as Moses experienced the power of God when he went up on the mountain and he, and he saw, and saw God and, he, and God, he says, who are you? He says, I am. He says, I'm the great I am. And when that happened, uh, the power of God was just, just like, just, just pours out. And in that moment, all those feelings they had before, totally gone. A giant vacuum of confidence, right? God just absorbs it all. Because just when God speaks, his power is so great that everyone falls to his feet. And it doesn't matter what you believe. They didn't come in. Others found themselves at the feet of Jesus because of what they believed, who they believed he was. And they threw themselves at his feet because they believed he was the son of God. All of these people thought he was a phony and a fake. And that day they came in with all their doubt. They came in with all their hypocrisy. They came in with all their physical might and power and they experienced just from one phrase, I am he. They experienced who really had the power. Come on. They experienced the power of God and they were, they were knocked down at the feet of Jesus. And God promises that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not that you get, it, you don't, you might not even choose. These guys didn't choose that day to bow their knee. But the weight of God's glory came in and they all fall down. Come on. You walk into God's garden and he begins to speak. You start to feel the weight of his glory and you want to go down. When I start to feel the weight of God's glory, I just need to get down underneath the space where I feel comfortable. God's, God looks different when you're down there. When you're down on the ground and you're looking up at his power and his majesty and his might, it looks different. He looks different. In fact, he looks, you start to see him more accurately for who he really is when you're down there. And you can go down there on your own, or you can be like the soldiers in the garden that come in with all your intellect and your smarty smarts, and all your power and swords and might, and you can come into that space all bowed up and jacked up to tell Jesus what's for. And then when he speaks and says, I am, you're going to experience the true power and the glory of the risen God. Come on. And every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I love this, that they go, after Jesus says, I am, and they all fall to the ground, boom, 
They're like, what just happened? What are we doing right now? <laughs> you imagine what's going through their mind, and somehow they all stand back up, and he, Jesus is leading the conversation. Do you see this? He goes, um, hey, oh, who are you looking for again? <laughs> I think Jesus the Nazarene. Oh, yeah, I told you, I am he. They're like, <laughs> can you stop saying that? Because we got something to do, and that's freaking us all out, right? Waves of God's glory just. So who are you looking for? Who really has the power here? Who's in charge? Who's leading this time, this moment right now? This is what Jesus wants everyone to know. Is it with one word he speaks and they all fall down? See, Peter freaks out. He hears all these things that, God, that, that Jesus had said to him, and he's just thinking, I don't know what to do. And, and he just pulls out his sword and he just starts hacking at people. And he, he whacks off the ear of, you know, the high priest's servant. Jesus is like, Peter, what are you doing, man? Do you see what I'm doing? I just said, I am. Boom, and everybody fell down. It's like, can't you see who has the power here? I don't need your sword. I don't need you to do what you think you need to do. Let me do what I came to do. Come on. There's times when we're out in life and we don't allow ourselves to be at the feet of Jesus looking up at his power and we think we've got to do it in our power, in our way, in our timing, with our strength. Come on. God, does, God doesn't need you. Not like that. He wants to use you in his power. But it has to be in submission and stewardship because it's his power. This is why it's so good for us to be at his feet to look at his power and experience his power. Because it's not ours. Ours is Peter's sword, whacking people's ears off, not being productive in the kingdom. He wasn't producing any righteousness when he cut off that guy's ear. Jesus goes, da 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 da, -da. hold on a second, let's, let's put this back on. <laughs> Just picks up the dude's ear. He's all like, guys, like my ear. He's like, no, 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 don't worry about this. Let's put the. We're good, <laughs> all right. We're good, and, and he's just like displaying. He's showing off. Jesus just showing off in this moment. He's just like, look at this. It's like back on what? It's like oh, and it was messing with everybody's head. He heals the guy that's his enemy. His chief enemy servant, the Pharisee's servant, is like his number one bad guy enemy, right? He's his nemesis. He's the guy that's just like trying to get him. Guy responsible for them all coming. But Jesus wanted to show them who really had the power. There's a Hebrew word for power in the poetic sense. This word is oz, and it's, this verse in Psalm 66.3 says, To say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. There's actually quite a few Hebrew words for power that sort of like shape around the understanding of how awesome and how sovereign and uncontainable God's power is. It's just limitless. But everybody cringes when they experience the power of God. 
If you look throughout all the Old Testament, when people encounter the power of God, like Moses when he goes up on the mountain to get the, the, the stone tablets, and you know, he's encountering God, and God's giving him the law and the word, and he encounters him so powerfully that he throws himself down at his feet when Moses, uh, God declares, just declares his name. He says, the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations and I forgive iniquity and rebellion and sin. And I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children to the third and fourth generations. God is the God of power. He experienced, Moses experiences power so radically that when he came down off the mountain, he was like a glow stick. <laughs> you, you know, when you put, you know, those glow items or whatever, you know, glow ball, a glow stick, in front of light, it absorbs the light, and then when you turn off lights, it glows. You guys are all thinking of vanilla ice right now. Turn off the lights and I'll glow. No? Okay. I like the mic like a vandal. Let it stage like a candle. Come on. All right. But you know, this is kind of a crazy technology. When you like put light on it and it absorbs the light and then it holds onto the light and then it stays there and it glows and it radiates for a time and then it slowly like disappears. Okay, this is what happened to Moses. He was like a glow stick. They got charged up when he would get in the presence of God, and then he would begin to radiate the power and the glory of God, so much so that all the people couldn't even look at him, and they were like, could you just cover that? And he did, so he put a veil over God's glory from his experience with God's power. And he got so charged up just because God passed in front of him and said his name, come on. He just spoke his name. He, he speaks, and the power of God begins to move. When he speaks in your life, you listening? Are you listening to the very power of God's words, charging your life with his glory? Come on. So you can hear his voice so much clearer and understand who he is if you get yourself at his feet. Don't make him knock you down there. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Bow your knee. Get low to the ground. How low can you go? You go up when you go down. You experience his, or his power when you get down low before him. And man, if we could just say, God, would you just speak to me from there? Speak your name to me. I want to know you. And I think there's something powerful in why God, why the whole, why the, why God chose to meet Moses by saying his name, declaring who he was. He's not a vengeful, terrible God. He says, look, there are consequences for your sin. You need saving. But this is who I am. I'm a God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. And I forgive iniquity and rebellion and sin. He says, I hold you accountable, but I am a forgiving God. God displays his great love through the power of mercy and forgiveness. Jesus didn't just go to the cross to show off his glory. He went for a way more powerful reason. And in the Greek, the word for power is dunamis. This is the miraculous ability ruling to rule and extend uh, uh, supernatural administrative power. 
It's amazing. God's power to do everything and anything that he wants to do. Luke 24, 49 says this, that I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've received, uh, until you have been clothed with power from on high. The dunamis power is truly the Holy Spirit himself. It is actually his nature and who he is alive inside of each one of us. It's prophesying it today, man. Holy Spirit, dunamis power of God, wants to show up and move in your life, in our church's life. So unexplainable, so undeniable uh, that the, the, the city around us is affected with the over, overwhelming and abundant love of God's power. But the Bible gives us example after example of God's power on display. With words, God spoke the universe into existence. With words, he flooded the entire earth. God sent fire from heaven to cleanse a city, to pour out his divine wisdom and guide and create a nation. God pounds the most powerful nation into submission with plagues and then sets his people free. And then he blesses them with unbelievable amounts of favor. And Moses just touches his staff into the sea and it stands on end and an entire nation is born and set free from slavery. Moses strikes a rock and water pours out to provide water for a generation, millions of people. It says that rock actually followed them around. Science should not be able to explain God's miracles. Like people go in and try to explain all this? No, God's powers on display to defy science. You see, science, it all works a certain way, and then God comes and disrupts it to say, I am. Get down. It's time to get down, because I am. Moses is hidden in the cleft of the rock just to get a glimpse of his glory. Joshua walks around a city, and it collapses from the power of God. Joshua lifts his hands in the air, and God stops the sun. Elijah burns up an offering from fire from heaven when it's covered with gallons upon gallons of water. Jesus speaks and the dead are raised. He speaks and demons obey. He speaks and the water and the waves obey him. God aligns the heavens to declare his sovereignty with the star of Bethlehem to say this is my son. Paul knocked to the ground and blinded. And God says, why are you banging your head against immovable wall of my power? What are you doing? And Paul becomes, gets converted by the power of God, knocked to the ground. He said, look, you can bow your knee. Oh, I'm going to get you to bow it. Just a little display of my power. God just gives him a little bit of, and Paul's like, boom, on the ground and blind. Oh, maybe someone else has the power and it's not me. God turns Paul with that display of his power, knocking him to the ground. Paul sees God, sees Jesus at his feet, sees the power of God at the feet of Jesus, and it changed his life forever, and he became one of the most powerful evangelists, apostles the world has ever seen. He empowers the apostles to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to preach the gospel, to go to literally their own crosses. He empowers them to trade their life to preach and proclaim the good news about Jesus. 
God's love and his power truly transforms the face of the world. So one thing you might be asking is where does the enemy, and you need to know this, where does the enemy stand against God's power? Where is he? Luke 10, 18 says, Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Come on, where's, where is Satan in all of this? Jesus says, look, I saw that punk fall from the sky. I saw that guy just plunge down. He thought he had some power. But guess what? I went and stripped him of all of it. He doesn't have any power anymore. He's got a lot of this. Little talk, talk. He tries to make you think you don't have power. But God displays his power over and over again over the devil, over the enemy, over every spirit. He even did this in Luke 9, 42. While this boy had uh, these demons and he was having all these problems, says even while the boy was coming, the demon threw himself to the ground as he was meeting Jesus, okay, in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his dad. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So I'm like, I'm going to have these problems forever. And my kid's like this giant disaster. He's all like, what's just giving to me? Here you go, pops. <laughs> Done. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. This is important. He overcomes a demon and he starts talking about the cross. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them so that they would not grasp it. And yet they were afraid to ask him about it. He's saying, look, when I go to the cross, I want you to know who has the power. I want you to know who's in charge. And he said this to Peter. He's like, Peter, stop. Am I going to st not drink the cup that God has put in front of me? This is what I came to do. I have all the power. Look, I just spoke and they all fell to the ground. Who, who do you think I am? Just some Joe Blow or am I truly the son of God? Matthew 26, 52. Jesus says it to Peter this way. Jesus told him those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I can ask my father for a thousand angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scripture be fulfilled that describes what must happen now? Jesus has all the power. In fact, the armies of heaven were helping him get to the cross. And he didn't want anybody to think that the devil was having a victory lap when he was going to the cross. He just kind of like flexes just a little bit, just poosh, everything, poosh, we're all to the ground. He goes, I want you all to know who has the power to go to the cross right now and why I'm doing what I'm doing. God has all the power. This is the thing that blows my mind is that God has all the authority and all the power. Satan has none. You got some, right? Jesus actually says you have 
all the power he has, I can't totally wrap my head around that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's, I don't know, reserving some, right? <laughs> we have all the power to do what he's calling us to do. I believe that. But I believe that's kind of just some of it because he's a God, right? But when we look at what God wants to do with his power, how he uses it, this is what blows my mind, is he has all the power to do whatever he wants. Ephesians 1.22, God has, all, has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. He has all the power for the benefit of his people. And he has the ability to use all of his power to do whatever he wants. And he chose to show us his love. He used all his power to show us his love and not just kind of like write a really good Beatles song. That like, oh, when I hear that song, I feel this romantic love. He chose to show us and display his power through love, through the example of suffering. This blows my mind. He has all the power and he chose to use all his power to suffer for you so that we would know how much he loves us. He clears the way of all the demonic things that the enemy would want to do, anything any, all the people would want, and he says, no, here's a pathway, and it's the road to Calvary, and it's got your name on it. I've got your name on that cross, and I'm thinking about you. And I'm going to show you the measure of what real love is all about. I'm going to show you what power is. Real power is going to be displayed and measured by love. And it's going, to be, it's going to be measured by how much I sacrifice and I suffer for you. He could have done it anyway. He could have used his power anyway. He could have just done flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder, and he could have done earthquakes, and he could have just, like, sent angels, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, look at all that stuff. And he just comes down, and he just goes, I am, and shows himself. I'd be all like, okay, I submit. But he didn't do that, because that awe and glory does not show what what love really is. And God is a God of love, and so his love is what he wants to display above all things. And that we just see it so powerfully. John 15, 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love. There is no greater love None. Nothing surpasses this. And it's why he used all his power to do it and display it for you and I that someone would lay down his life for his friend. And he goes, you truly are my friends. I'm going to show you. Jesus' suffering was truly the greatest display of his love for us. Jesus' suffering is the greatest display of his power. And he uses all his power to display his love. God used his great power to suffer and die for us. God fashioned the universe and placed the stars in the sky and formed the earth 
and master plan the ecosystem to be in perfect harmony. Then he placed the crown jewel of his creation in it. Man, that's you. God wanted to use his awesome, limitless power to show his most beloved prized creation how much he loved them. He didn't choose to use his power to show off his glory through signs and wonders. He chose to use his power and measure his love through suffering and sacrifice. Romans 5, 6, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, ungodly, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Power, power at his feet. Come on, there's power at the feet of Jesus, but it doesn't look like what you'd think. The power at the feet of Jesus looks like love, and that comes through the act of suffering and sacrifice. His love is magnified by his power. God's love is magnified by his power. They say sometimes that power corrupts. But it's not true. Power magnifies what's already in there. And when God turns on his power, he didn't turn on his power at the garden and he knocked them all down so that he could show off how strong he is, how good his glutes look, right? He, showed, he, he displayed his power so that he could show you how much he loved you. He said, I'm clearing a road with my words. And they have so much power, I don't need to use anything else so that I can make a way to Calvary. But I want everybody to know who's in charge here and why I'm going. Nobody is taking me there. He even says it to Pilate. Pilate's like, I got all the power. He goes, you don't really know what you're talking about. You don't have the power. Actually, I got the power. And he goes, I don't understand how if you have all the power, you're gonna go be crucified. He's like, exactly. I'm gonna display my love with all my power. I'm gonna display, I'm gonna magnify my love with my power and it's gonna go through the road of suffering. And it's gonna measure, it's gonna show you how much I really love you, the measure of love I truly have for you. See, God willed it, he willed you. You were worth it. And he wanted you to know it without a shadow of a doubt that you are his beloved. Our God wants, our God who is all powerful could have had it any way he wants. He could have had it any way he wants. And no one can say anything about it, do anything about it. But our God is all powerful and still he chose to display his great love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. The most powerful creator would not allow anyone to get in his way, to stop his dunamis power on display, his sovereign will from being done, to show how much he really does love us by giving up his power, rights, and majesty to be stripped down to the form of his creation, the ones he loves, beaten, insulted, and risen up to shame, to take away the ungodliness so we could know how deep, how wide, and how vast his love is for us. Come on, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It's time to get low. It's time to get low and allow his power to be on display. 
You should never be confused about how much God loves you. Because while you were still ungodly, he came and he died for you. And he said, I am. Come on, I've got this. Just get low. Just receive my power, man. Just receive it. Luke 24, 46 says this. And yes, it was written a long ago that he, the Messiah, would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name. Come on, there's nothing more powerful than the name of Jesus. He is the I am. That in the name of Jesus to all nations beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness for sins for all who repent. Come on, God is the God who is forgiving to a thousand generations. The power of God is on display. His power is knocking people down so that they can experience the, the power of forgiveness. Every nation, the, through his love, gives you the ability to be forgiven. Can you just think about that for a minute? It isn't so that you can be rich. It isn't so that you can be tall or smart or strong or beautiful or important or have a big title. It's so that you can be forgiven. All of his power on display so that you and every nation, every person can experience his power in its reality, in the measure of his love for you through sacrifice of his own life, not someone else's blood, his own blood for you, for me. And when we find Jesus, we find forgiveness. Every time, all the time, for all. All things. Everything, guys. When his power is on display, it's all about love. And it's all about you. What a God we serve. What an amazing God we serve. And now there is forgiveness for all because of the limitless power of our God being put on display as he suffered and died for his beloved, for you. And you get to choose. And so we signed, God signed up because love is so important for him. He not only suffered in himself to die, but he also suffers with putting up with all of the sin and all of the destruction and all of the loss and all of the hurt that is, has to be a part of the free will choice. Because as those would choose forgiveness and to respond to his love, they'll also choose destruction. And so it's this big, huge mess that Jesus kind of goes, look, it's the wheat and it's the weeds. And we're not going to pull them all up until the very end. Because that disrupts the power of choice. And if choice is disrupted, then love is not real. Love is on display by his power through sacrifice. It's measured by sacrifice. Come on. It all has to be there together. One big, beautiful mess with the most beautiful love story of God coming and dying for his creation. His beloved, that's you on display and you because God is so radically awesome you get to choose you get to choose now and be forgiven by his love and power and say God you're God 
and I'm just like that Roman soldier or somebody in the garden that just sees you and, 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 and when you speak, I fall down. Say, your love is good enough. I respond to that love. I want your love in my life. And I come back to my first love. No matter where you're at, giving your life to Jesus today for the first time, I hope. Or maybe you've been just kind of flirting around with this whole Jesus thing, drug here by your mama, your grandmama, your uncle, yeah, your dad. Or maybe you've been off and away and you haven't been serving the Lord and you're like, I'm tired of tasting what I can get for myself. I want to experience the power of God's love and his forgiveness. And I'm ready to fall at his feet and declare, Jesus, you're my God. Maybe you're just a Christian that's just been showing up to church and just bumping along and like, well, I go to church and, well, you know, pay my tithes and, well, I sit in my seat, I clap my hands. But your heart is cold. You forgot how much he loves you. It's time to turn that love back on. It's time to turn that love back on for Jesus. He says, I want you to return to your first love. It's time to get realigned and understand, not with a bunch of shame, what Jesus did for you. And oh, woe is me, how can I take you to the cross? You did not take Jesus to the cross. He took himself there. You don't have that power. And your sin didn't have that power. No devil didn't have that power. Jesus has the power. And he made a way with his words. He spoke it into existence said, do not take this cup for me. I came here to do this. I made my people. I made you for this. You don't get to take that from him with your shame. There's one way. Every knee bows. Every tongue confesses. Jesus is Lord. It's how we all get there. It's how we all get saved. That's how we all respond to his great love. God, you have all the power, and I'm submitted to it. So if you're here today and it's time to make a shift and a change, I hope you're going to make it. I'd love for you to respond and receive Jesus into your life. So if you would, just close your eyes with me for a moment. Everybody around the church. We're just going to have a second, a moment alone with Jesus, even in a group. You can be alone with him because he knows each one of you. His power is so vast, he can know each one of us all at one time. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I am ready to bow my knee at the feet of Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you and you want to pray, we're going to do it real quick. Just slip your hand in the air and say, that's me. I'm ready to turn my life over to him. Maybe you're giving your heart back to Jesus. Maybe you're giving your life to him for the first time. Thank you for your, see your hand. Anybody else? Jesus? Yeah, I see your hand too. Thank you. I'm ready to turn my life over to you. Yes. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. And maybe you're saying it's time for me to get fired back up. I need to return to my first love, a passionate encounter, understanding the fullness of what God has really done for me. Come on, if that's you, will you stretch your hand in the air and say, I'm ready to turn my life back on for Jesus. Yeah, thank you. Hands up all over the place. Come on. Come on now. Return to my first love. Let's pray. Pray this with me. You want to give your life to Jesus. Pray this. Jesus, I give my life to you. You are God. Save me. Forgive me. And fill me with your presence. Thank you for what you did for me 
on the cross. You died for me. And you showed me what real love is. I receive it today. And I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand up, church? A bunch of people getting saved and giving their lives to the Lord today. Before we launch into worship here, I'm just going to pray just for all of us that God would return us to his, our first love, find power at the feet of Jesus. Father, we just submit to you today. Come on, Jesus, we love you today as we give our lives and our hearts to you, God. We don't do it just aimlessly or just kind of half-heartedly, God. We lay our hearts, our faces, our we bow our knees down at your feet and say, Jesus, you have all the power. You displayed it in love. And I turn my heart back to you in love and I give my life up for you. Not my will, God, but your will be done. Not my power of my might, but God, by your power, your might, by your love. Put your love on display through my life today and every day, God. I want to live and I want to burn passionately for you. Holy Spirit, come and fill my life today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.